talking about the two Lauras. They'll be your biggest supporters. What the selling you'll need more of. I'm talking about the two Lauras. I'm talking about the two Lauras. Hello and welcome back to JFGI with the two Lauras. Did you have a nice Christmas? Oh, it's been a long time, hasn't it? <laughs> Like yeah. it's March, it's nearly April, and we're saying, "Did you have a good Christmas?" I know well, we've we've only just come back from our Christmas break. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> yeah, hello, we are back. Um, it, but don't worry, not for long. We'll we'll explain that in a not little. for long. Don't worry, you don't have to listen to us for long. <laughs> we just um, before we crack on with this episode, we wanted to. We feel like we owe you a reason as to why we've not carried on with our podcast since Christmas and as you know well maybe you don't know but Laura and I are avid testers of things we like to throw ourselves into things see what we feel about it if it works if we like it if we didn't like it what could we do differently that's just how we are that's where we why we are where we are and a podcast was something that we toyed around the, the idea on and off for a while and obviously we went for it at the end of last year and we then stopped and we were loving it were we no I think we were loving recording it but I, I, I wasn't loving the, the commitment I don't like a diary full of you've got this this it, you know I'm a, a free butterfly oh I wanted to it was like we were constantly oh we've got to record a podcast we've got to put the time in the diary and it was just becoming a bit of a bind and I suppose the joy of working for ourselves as you all know is that you can build your business how you want to build your business and so we decided to just take a break consider what the wins were from that and were there any wins and was it a good form of marketing for us was it successful was it achieving what we wanted to achieve so we've taken some time out to do that and we've been pretty busy as well so we've decided to come back but in a little bit of a different way but I think you're going to talk about that aren't you Laura? Yeah so I think before I do that I think it's important to if you're listening thinking oh there's something in my business that is taking me too long or I'm not enjoying it don't be afraid to try something different like change it you don't have exactly. to carry on just because that's how everyone else does it just because everyone else releases a podcast once a week doesn't mean that we have to mm. um, so we're not going to Right. So instead, we are coming back with some mini series, and this is going to be the first of our mini series. And just whenever we've got something that we want to talk about or that you are asking us a lot about, that's when we'll come back and we'll record a short series um, about that. So recently, we asked our email list if they could ask us anything, what would they ask us? And our inbox was full of questions about scaling. Mm. So we're going to do a series about scaling, and this is going to be the first episode of that series so yeah so we're going to go we're going to talk about scaling what we've done what we've enjoyed what we haven't enjoyed the things that you can learn from us the different ways that you can scale and hopefully that will help you to make some decisions in moving forward with your business I think so it's, it's worth us saying that to just kind of tackle this head-on right at the start is that lots of people think when you're a freelance social media manager the only way to scale is to build an agency so these uh, this mini series is going to help you to consider the various ways in which you can scale your business. And, and the agency route is not the only route. No, but it is the one we're going to talk about today. Yes. Because I think it is something that's on people's minds. And like you said, it's what people 
think is the traditional way of scaling. And there are many, many agencies who have successfully scaled, whether they are big, you know, national, international agencies or just small agencies run from somebody's house. And that is a way that you can scale. So we're going to talk about that today, aren't we? Because that's something you've done. Yes, but you didn't go down that route. Any reason particularly why? Um, a couple of reasons. The biggest reason is probably, and you'll know this, I am not a natural born manager of people. I don't like managing people particularly. And so I never planned to have a team of people that I could manage. I think now that we work together, obviously that's very different because I don't have to do it on my own. But the thought for me of managing a team and trusting those people, finding the people, trusting the people to do the work properly, that's, that's not my zone genius. I don't want to do that. So I never went down the agency route because of that, really. But you did, didn't you, obviously? Well, I did. I believe I have what people would call a boutique agency, which I haven't, would never personally describe it that way. But it was by accident. It was not my plan. I, when I was just me, freelancer, on my own, I absolutely loved it. I don't not love it now, but it comes down to what your idea of success is, isn't it? And why, your why, like, why are you doing that business? What is it you want to achieve? And for me, at that point in time, I, success to me was being at the school gates, Monday to Friday, drop off pickup, being around for my kids, not having to commute, having nice holidays, having personal financial freedom. So having money in the bank, I didn't have to say to my husband, can I have some money or would you go shopping? Like I needed my own money. I'm quite an independent person. So they, they were my kind of benchmarks of success. They were not, you know, I'm, I would never aspire to be one of these six figure wankers and still don't I, like that is not success to me. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Absolutely. Of course there's not, but that to me wasn't what my grand plan was. Not that I really ever sat down and properly planned it, but I also never really considered myself to have an agency or want to have an agency. I'm a bit of a control freak and I'm sure you'll all relate to this in that, you know, you do your job, you do it well, you build up a reputation and do you want to kind of let go of some of that control really? And you're, you're relying on other people and the, the thought of that always was quite fearful to me. And it's worth saying, I love my job. I love just doing the work. I didn't want someone else to do the work for me. I wanted to do it all. There was nothing about social media and ads management that I didn't love doing. But then I met you <laughs> and this business grew rapidly. And at the, that point, I had multiple clients. I was making good money, like it was a good, successful business. So financially, I'd kind of reached the point that I was really comfortable so we then had this crossroads. Well, what do we do? You know, I can't do both. I can't keep all these clients happy and grow this business um, with you, Laura. So I did, you know, I took, I got rid of some clients quite quickly and then took on people. And I started to grow my freelance business into more of this boutique agency. So I took on people to help me. I did much more of the account management and I suppose I still got my love of social media and ads through everything we do. So I was still getting my kind of kicks from that. And I was still kind of meeting regularly with my clients, talking about all the strategies. And so I was getting the best of both worlds. So it was all by accident. There was nothing strategic about it. And I would never sit here and say that there was because that would just be lying. So I possibly didn't do it the right way. And I've learned a lot in the process. 
So because you didn't plan this and this was like a happy accident, is there anything that you wish now looking back that you could have done differently? If I had my time again, I probably wouldn't do this because everything's a juggle, isn't it? And I don't like a juggle. I'm I'm all for the easy life, but I've got really good clients who I really enjoy working with and I don't, I don't want to get rid of them. Uh, and I want to keep that. And I like the fact that my fingers are still on the pulse, so to speak, but I don't know. I'd probably just wouldn't have done it this way. I'd have just kept it less complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it, it sometimes when, you know, things go wrong and we're really busy, it can, it just adds to the stress. I'm, I'm like, I've, really fortunate that the people who work for me who are all freelancers I don't employ anybody but are all brilliant and so I can really rely on them but there is a risk you know what happens if they give me notice tomorrow and I've suddenly got these this client workload I'm going to have to replace them and the replacing and handing over and I some of my clients particularly very very niche so finding someone and getting them up to speed takes time when a lot of my time obviously is also on this business so I'm in a lucky very very lucky position at the moment that it it all is working well but it's it comes with risks so I've got a question then so obviously you've got a team that they're like dealing with the in the weeds doing the work as such and I think probably some people would think if you grow an agency then you can kind of sit on your hands and your team will deal with the clients and all of that stuff and do all the work. And they're the ones that will get the WhatsApp messages in the middle of the night asking you if you've posted something. Is that the case? Or do you still, do you like have the communication with the client? Are you still the middleman and such? No, for me, I am that first point of call to my clients. They come to me, I meet with them monthly. I then will sit down and write, this is what we've got to achieve this month. But I quite, I quite like that. It irritates me that I like that. But <laughs> sometimes I wish that I didn't like that. And I did, you know, and I did kind of maybe pass over, but I really enjoy that. And it's, it's nice to go and have those kind of strategy meetings with clients. And it just reminds me that I do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, totally. But and I suppose, and like you said, you, you take on people who are experts in their field as such, don't you? So, and I think we see a lot of people who are trying to scale to, take on more clients but then outsource the work and I don't know if you see this as well but I see quite a lot of people who they've taken on a lot of clients they've got lots more work to do so instead of going and hiring a freelancer who is an Instagram manager or an expert at Facebook they then hire a VA but they're probably the same people who would moan about the VAs being social media managers because they're not actually is that something that you does that like do you see that as annoying you how do you feel about that I I see it and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, like there's a lot of, it's really difficult. And I feel like I never want to be, I never, never want to bash VAs because don't get me wrong, they are amazing. And there are lots of VAs who have trained in social media management, but still calling themselves VAs. And I think that there is a problem because really they're doing them, themselves a disservice if they want to be offering social media management. Yeah. Um, but as we know, and as we talk about a lot, social media isn't an admin task. It's a strategy that is involved. It's not just about whacking a load of posts out on bloody Instagram and hoping for the best. Um, but unfortunately, there's lots of businesses who will think that that is the option. So therefore, when a VA will say, well, I can pop your posts out on social for you, 
they will be like, well, of course I'm going to do that, especially if it's cheaper than the social media management. So we have these conversations all the time and it crops up all the time. There's in our groups and there's people who will take screenshots of people offering social media management cheap as a VA and all of this stuff and it ever get riles everybody. But yeah, then what we then see is people saying, right, I'm ready to scale my business. I'm going to take a VA on to help me with my client's work. And actually, although that person may still be involved in the strategy like I am, the person doing the job still needs to understand social media management because it's not going to make it easy for me. If I use a VA and say to that VA, right, we've got to put these posts out because I would then have to strategically create those posts and write the copy strategically. I would have to understand who I should be proactively and reactively engaging with or tell them to because they aren't trained to necessarily know that themselves. Are they going to be involved in the customer service? Are they going to be involved in any kind of crisis management? You know, so it actually, when you're outsourcing, you want to, you want them to do everything that you don't want to do or have not got time to do. So if you end up, all they're doing is essentially putting five or six posts in a scheduler once a week, that actually, that's not the big scope of the business. So you won't actually see Yes, you'll save yourself a small amount of time, but actually chucking things in the schedule is the easy bit, isn't it? So it depends how much you want to do of your job, of the job, and how much you want to scale. Because then if you've got 10 clients and you're still actually quite hands-on and you've just outsourced the kind of admin job of, of scheduling, you're going to burn out really, really quickly. So my opinion would be, if you actually want to scale and you want to scale and re- maintain a good reputation that I'm, ass- you know, I'm assuming you've got, that's why you're at the point of scaling, then you need to take on a social media expert, someone who knows what they're doing on the platforms or in the industry that you are working in. But I can um, just hear the person who's listening going, yeah, but they're too expensive. I can't afford to do that because I won't make any money. But then you've got to, well, then you've, A, you've not priced to scale so you've not you've not been quoting high enough to enable you to be able to scale and pay for somebody and still take a a margin and that's fine like I hadn't because I had I had no intention of doing that but I had to increase my pricing so I did that and that which is why I got rid of some of the clients because they didn't want to pay more which I get but and obviously the others have stuck with me and and then so I've increased my prices which means that I can pay well for good expertise and I still essentially pay myself for that time that I'm spending on the client work and the impromptu text messages I might get. So if the person listening now is thinking about scaling what would you say to them what are your tips what were the like the considerations what should they do not do what should they avoid like what's your best advice? The one thing I would say is there's two well there's probably multiple pools of thought but in my head there's two pools of thought the one is that you take on people who are going to bring you you money in. So you will only hire staff that you can see a direct return on that investment, which would be, say, a social media manager. So if you've got a social media manager on your books, then essentially you can take on more clients and therefore you can make more, your money back. Or you could do the other way in, in that you outsource everything else in your business, which means that you have more time to work with more clients or take on more work with the clients that you've currently got. So I think if you're very nervous about scaling, which I think based on the, all the 
messages we had when we asked the question, I think a lot of people are, I think I would do that first. I would get on, get a VA to help you manage all your administrative processes. I would outsource all my bookkeeping. I would outsource all my accounts. I would outsource anything. That I would outsource my cleaning. I would outsource my, yeah. like all of that stuff that can free up time. Totally. I would outsource anything that I, I didn't want to do. That wasn't my kind of what, what I enjoy doing, how I want to spend my time. Cause and I to hate to repeat myself, but this is your business. You can grow it exactly how you want. So you design a business based on what it is you want to do on a day-to-day basis. And then you get rid of the rest. And if you feel like you have a skills gap and clients are wanting more, then, then that's when you start bringing in the expertise. So you might bring in like, so I don't do Google ads, for example. So if one of my clients wanted Google ads and we're going to go somewhere else, I'd be like, well, no, hang on. I can help you. I'll get in a Google ads freelancer and you can still keep it all under like me. So then, then they've only got one port of course. So and to my current clients, that is a really attractive thing. They don't want to have to speak to loads of different agencies. You can fill the gaps with other people's expertise and um, where you don't have those expertise or you don't want to spend your time. Is that been, is that a tip? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good tip. Yeah, definitely. And anything they should avoid doing, you can think of. I well, think not- one thing that you should avoid, like is the mindset thing when it comes to scaling in an agency. I don't know about you, but if I, it, before we start, sort of joined forces, if I was thinking about a business that was scaling as an agency, in my mind, that is a business that has a big brick, brick building, you know, it's got sofas and beanbags and loads of people <laughs> who go and work in the same office. Obviously, this is my idea before pandemic. Um, so and people who actually physically work in the same space, but that like you work with just freelancers who are all around the country, yeah. But you never really meet in person, so there are like different ways that you can do it. Yeah, and I think it, it just all of this. There is no right way. There is no wrong way. There is just your way, and you've got to do it the way you want to do it. And I don't want to take on employees for my own. No business like us fine not my business I just don't have the time I don't I just don't want that and plus we had built up this incredible community of freelance social media managers so why wouldn't I tap into that expertise so yeah you don't have to have this bricks and mortar agency you can absolutely you can and that if that's the way you want to go and you want to employ people and have people on your books then you can do anything you want to do but the the point is you don't have to do that. And if you're testing the water, if you're seeing if you like it, maybe you don't, maybe you've never managed people before. So you don't know whether you like it or you don't like it. So instead of going kind of feet first and employing somebody and having to essentially be paying for them and their pensions and, you know, their mortgage, like cut yourself some slack, take a freelancer on. Obviously there's still contracts. Obviously you still have a commitment to them. But it takes that pressure off a little bit if you're uh, if you're nervous about which way to go. And then they will get to a point, I'm sure, where you've got probably quite a lot of freelancers on and you might think that financially it would be more viable to actually employ people because fi- freelancers aren't necessarily the, the cheapest option. But that's all of this comes down to back to your why and what you consider successful and I know loads of people will message us and say well what kind of things how much should I be charging clients if I want to scale whatever you want to earn you you've got to work backwards you've got to sit down and think right at the end of this year I want to have taken home 
X amount of money and then work backwards. How are you going to do that? And I'm not talking about your turnover. I'm talking about what you actually want to pay yourself out of your business and work your way backwards. And you'll come to a point where you've got to earn X amount from your clients and you're going to either want to go down the, I'm going to have as many clients as I can get. Or I'm going to have a handful of good paying clients. Again, that's personal preference. I know which one I'd prefer. And so there is no set amount you can charge people. There are agencies out there who will charge phenomenal amounts of money. And then there are agencies out there who are charging pennies. There is no right or wrong. You've just got to figure out what it is that makes it work for you. And if you then can do that and it's a success, then you've done it, haven't you? regardless of what the agency down the road is is charging. Yeah, you do, however, need to have a plan to actually build that pipeline of clients and not just rely on the ones that you've got now sticking with you for the next five years, because they might not. No. Especially if you've got team members who come and go or team members who don't do things quite the way that you wanted them to do and you have some teething problems and stuff. You need to, if you're going to grow an agency, you need to have a really good sales process. And I think think that clients are going to come to you. Yeah. And you've got to remember as well, like, and I had this, I built up this client base of clients who wanted to work with me. They'd come to me as a sole trader, as just me and wanted to work with me. And then suddenly I would say, well, look, you know, I'm going to take on other people. Is this okay? And some of them were absolutely fine with it because they just didn't care. As long as the job was done, they, they don't care. And they're the ones that are still with me now. But the ones who were probably a little bit more precious about it and were like, oh, no, well, like, you know, I want you to do it. It was like, well, you know what? That's not going to happen. So I did lose clients. And for me, that was fine. And I was actually quite thankful of that. And it was just before COVID hit and then I had to homeschool. So it was really was a blessing in disguise. But obviously, for some people who are about to scale and you're a freelancer, You've got to remember some clients might not want to go down that route where other people are going to be working on their accounts. So you need to have a plan in place to to deal with that. So there's a lot of good tips there for anyone who is thinking of scaling. Come and chat with us in our Facebook group if you want to talk more about scaling with an agency and what we're talking about in the next episode of this series. So next episode, we're going to be talking about how you can introduce digital products into your business and how that can help you scale. We'll see you in the next episode. You will. (laughs) I will definitely be seeing you. (laughs) Bye. Bye.